The Heavy Duty Parts Report is brought to you by Find It Parts, your ultimate destination for heavy duty truck and trailer parts. Discover a vast range of parts at finditparts.com. Ready to purchase the parts discussed in today's episode? Head over to finditparts.com and get them right away. You're listening to the Heavy Duty Parts Report. I'm your host, Jamie Irvin, and this is the place where we have conversations that empower heavy duty people. John Douglas, president of Molly Aftermarket North America. So we're here at Apex uh, 23, we're in Las Vegas, and we're at the Molly booth, and we're gonna talk about rebuilding diesel engines today. John, thanks so much for coming on the show and uh, taking some time out of your busy day. You've got a booth that's full of people right now. Absolutely, it's always, it's always good to come to Apex and see all of our partners every year, and uh, we, we put on a really good show, and it's, it's, yeah, it's great to be here. So let's talk about uh, rebuilding diesel engines. What's changing? If we talk about kind of the trend line, like when I started in the business, like it was the older cat engines, 3406C, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Like that, that was the most common prolific engine. Um, engine platforms have changed a lot. Technology has changed a lot. So when, it, when you think about rebuilding diesel engines, how has the trends changed over time along with all of that change to the engine platform? Okay. Well, going back that far, you probably came in when pistons were aluminum. Yep. You know, so they were aluminum, but as just like any part of our, our, our business, there's always a drive for more power, right. better efficiency, and better emissions. So the next step moving from an aluminum piston was to go to a ferrotherm piston, which was a forged steel crown mated to an aluminum skirt held by the pin. This allowed you know higher peak cylinder pressures, higher temperatures that the piston could withstand, uh, to be able to to meet, you know, higher or more uh, or just better emission standards. Yeah. Then shortly after that, they, the emission standards increased even further, and pistons became all steel. And what most people don't realize, you know, you think about a steel piston, well, that's going to be heavy, mm-hmm. but a monotherm, which is a single piece steel piston, is actually about thirty percent lighter than the steel and aluminum combination. Okay. Now, when it comes to rebuilding. There's only a few manufacturers that can make this type of steel pistons with all of the features and benefits that you find on a Molly piston. We're the OE manufacturer for all major platforms, uh, and you know, we've got that uh, research and development to, to produce that innovation to be able to meet those emission standards and those power requirements the customers want. So I started my career rebuilding uh, pneumatic controls, and as a rebuilder, you get to see uh, all the failure analysis, and you get to start to understand uh, what you need to change to bring this thing either back to OE spec or make it perform even better. What has happened over the last few years from that perspective uh, that Molly has then taken those those things that they've learned and helped their customers to be more successful rebuilding mm-hmm. engines? Yeah, well, exactly. Those those failure analysis are are very valuable in understanding what can we do better, you know, and you, and you really see real world conditions because you can only think of, you know, so many things to do on a dyno, yeah. and it just doesn't simulate the real world all the time. So. Again, whether it's uh, dimensional features on a steel piston, whether it's the materials, or you know even bearings, you know the Cleveland engine bearings, you know we've developed new materials to, to meet these expectations. Whether it's a million miles or you know with some manufacturers, um, you know promote, um, but it's it's again it's material properties, it's dimensions, it's uh, heat treatment properties. Uh, all of this goes in to really uh, to make an innovative product. 
Where do you think engines are going to have to go to meet the next hurdle of emission standards? That's that's a tough one. You know, we've already seen you know where we where we're reliant upon um, whether it be the uh, EGR cooled engines or the urea uh, applications. So it, it's really hard to say. And but I can assure you. There, there are tremendous amounts of activities taking place to get us to new levels. To get you to new levels. Yeah. Well, there's only a few years between now and those uh, standards. Whatever they actually will be in the end, we'll have to wait and see. So when it comes to the product that you uh, provide on the independent side, the, the aftermarket side, what kind of support levels do you provide the people who are buying your product and rebuilding engines? How do you go about supporting the independent side of the business? Okay. Well, aside from, I guess, Probably the best way is offering our heavy-duty engine kits, which have all of the parts it takes to do the job. Yeah. Uh, but we also offer training. We have online training. Uh, we want to inform our customer or our customer's customer, you know, anything that they might need to know for a, a successful rebuild. Yeah, that makes sense. Education is so important. Right. Um, what's one thing that you wish every rebuilder would know or, or like what's that one thing that you just want to emphasize so that anybody who's listening right now you make sure they hear this one thing that you know they need to know well I guess you know I, I was in the uh, piston manufacturing business with Molly uh, before I came to the aftermarket and, and one of the things that that always was a uh, that struck me was you know if there are a lot of copy products out there yeah but you can only copy what you think to measure and even even if you if you were measuring whether it be profiles or ovalities, you know then then you have to make it. You know, Molly actually has a division that builds our own equipment because we we machine features that are not available on commercially made equipment. So knowing, hey, there, it's not just the diameter; it's what's that ovality, what's that form profile. Knowing that you know, hey, all of this technology and development that went into to make the OE part. We're bringing that to the aftermarket. When we think about the future, you've already mentioned emissions. We've talked about how that impacts engine platforms. What other things do you think are likely to occur in the future when it comes to engine platforms? Well, that's a that's a great question and something I'm excited about. You know, we hear all of this talk about e-mobility. You know, yeah. and that's really going to be a challenge in the in the heavy vehicle industry. But I was elated when I was in Germany back in June to see that in our R and D department we had taken a major manufacturer, I'll call it, a diesel engine, and converted it to a spark-ignited hydrogen engine. So for me, this is a a huge step in the longevity of internal combustion engines. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And and I've thought for a very long time that there is a place for BEV, absolutely, certain vocations, but we're going to need more than that to reach some of the goals that are coming. So that's exciting. So you'll come back on the show and tell us more when you can? When I can, yes, sir. When you can? All right, sounds good. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes to talk with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Hello, my name is Felipe Fecker. I'm uh, the head of product management for Powertrain and Mechatronics for the Mali North America division. Felipe, nice to talk to you. Nice to meet you. Thanks for the time. Yeah, well, thank you. I mean, you got a busy booth here, right? We were just talking to John, and uh, there's lots happening. We're at Apex uh, in Las Vegas. We're talking about uh, rebuilding diesel engines, and there's a lot to talk about. So, first of all, let's talk a little bit about how your company is organized to go to market. Mm -hmm. So, how do you get the products that you're manufacturing for heavy-duty diesel engine rebuilds into the hands of the rebuilders? So, our our uh, 
channel is basically the traditional channel of distribution through the, the whole distributors in, the, in, in North America. So that includes Mexico too, okay. not only US. And, uh, and what about we, Canada? I'm from Canada. Yes, okay. of course, Canada is part of the, <laughs> that, that equation 100%. And of course, we always try to, to, to be very close to those customers, offering them their full support, mm -hmm. uh, always to provide alternatives for them so they can help the, the end customers. And one thing that we, it's becoming more and more important to our organizations is the support that the fleets are needing. Mm -hmm. So what kind of technical assistance we can provide. And of course, also the new technologies and the, pro the products that the, uh, the, the market is requiring. So I think that is one thing that we have in our heart to go ahead. Yeah, and uh, when I was selling heavy-duty parts, I was a manu uh, worked for a manufacturer, but also worked for distributors. And one of the best things that you could do is bring a manufacturer out into the field, supporting yeah. that fleet, talking to them directly, allowing the fleet to give them real-world feedback. That's exactly. important for the manufacturer, yeah. right? And, and I think that is one very strong part of the Mali business overall in, in, in the whole globe, to have that strong technical support. We have a very strong group, group. we have a very strong team with a lot of a lot of knowledge and of course now we need to expand that and let that information and, and transfer that knowledge to the end users yeah. so they can do their job better so what helps everybody in the, in the whole process and one of the things that has been a real challenge on the aftermarket side is how much equipment is changing uh, so this is putting uh, you know a great need for at that education side yes. so that you can learn how to fix these this this equipment you've never seen before you've never seen before that is why so we, we have a very strong uh, online platform with a lot of training that is available to any end user right. that you guys can access through our website so that is that is strong but of course that face to face interaction after covid of thanks god it's over but we are yeah, can we, we are just, able can we just forget that like yeah. wipe it from our memory <laughs> yeah okay so we we offer a very strong uh online uh platform for training mm -hmm. that is available to any user or anyone that is interested in, in learning a little bit more about our products but also have that technical in-depth uh training but also, of course, the face-to-face -face interactions, it's extremely important to have that opportunity to visit the fleets, to visit the distributors and offer that support. That is something that we need to do more and more. Yeah, and one of the things that's happened is we have seen consolidation of engine platforms globally. But um, what are you doing to support a, a rebuilder who then, you know, one day is rebuilding a relatively newer engine, yeah. and then all of a sudden the next day they've got to rebuild an engine that is from an older platform. So how do you provide them that complete support? And I would say that is probably the, the strongest part of the aftermarket that we have. We offer the full portfolio of products from very old applications, I would say, to the new to ones yeah so that is the, the, the again our main uh, point to our customers we want to be the last mainstay when you talk about internal combustion engines yeah. so as far as there is demand on the market you're gonna be there it doesn't really matter for what kind of engine so we have like those older applications that we have a full catalog a full offer that and with that, uh, the, the, the globalization of the platforms that is coming, of course, we are into that already. We can give you the example of the Detroit Diesel 13, Detroit yeah. Diesel 15. That is a global platform, right? That is right. being 
use it both in Europe and North America. We are into that already, but of course we cannot forget about the, the help that the, the customers need with their older applications. So we continue to we continue to get to carry that in our offer. We are not getting away from it because again, our philosophy it's we're gonna be the last man standing, no yeah. matter what. All right, well, you can count on Molly to be there, and you can count on my new friend, Felipe. Thank you very much for being on the Heavy Duty Parts Report. So glad to have you here, Felipe. Thank no, you. I appreciate you. Thanks for the opportunity. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. We'll be right back. This episode of the Heavy Duty Parts Report is brought to you by Find It Parts, your ultimate destination for heavy duty truck and trailer parts. Discover a vast range of parts at finditparts.com. Don't spend hours a day looking for parts. Instead, visit finditparts.com and get them right away. So we wanted to talk a little bit more about this huge shift that's happening in engine platforms. It's happened over the last couple of decades. Jamie was there. I was not. So let's get a little bit of wisdom from you, Jamie. How have engine platforms changed in the last 20 years? Well, in the past, there were more engine manufacturers. And over the last 20, 25 years, things have consolidated uh, quite a bit. So there's really only three or four engine manufacturers now. And um, as those engine platforms or manufacturers rather have consolidated, it doesn't necessarily mean that engines have gotten easier to work on. In fact, because of technology changes, because of emissions control, and um, things like that, the the engines themselves have become much more complex over the mechanical days. So when I sold parts, you could grab a wrench, you could make a quick repair. Uh, I saw guys do things like listen to the engine with the wrench and be able to hear which cylinder wasn't firing properly or where there was something broken in the engine. You know, th- those days of the, the mechanical and uh, kind of having that that net knowledge has been replaced by people who need to be very proficient with diagnostic tools and who are able to work on these uh, engines and troubleshoot engines, not just the engines themselves, but all the upstream and downstream issues. So things have gotten more complex. There's less manufacturers. And that's really how things have changed over the last 20, 25 years. Yeah. I mean, we're hearing that to make any engine repair, it's like you need a clean room or like an operating room or something. Because these repairs are so complex, there are tight tolerances. I mean, fuel injectors, the nozzles are what, like three microns across. And each time that you need to get an engine repair, I mean, on a heavy duty truck, this bill can run you $50,000, $80,000. I mean, it's wild. Yeah, it's dependent on if you're doing an in-frame or if you're doing a complete engine replacement. And and I know that even back in, let's say, 2015, 2016, 2017, there were a lot of people who rebuilt engines who were dropping out. You know, rebuilders were consolidating as well, and there was just less of them because things were getting more complex. And then to your point, the engine repair is such a huge dollar amount. If something goes wrong and there's a warranty, the liability for the rebuilder is very, very high. So this has been a huge opportunity, though, for those that continue to specialize in rebuilding engines. And as uh, some of these rebuilders have dropped out, there's more market share available to them. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the perspective from a parts store. So we've heard that repair shops and parts stores, they've had to rely on multiple suppliers. So like, especially during COVID, 
We uh, saw on LinkedIn, one guy was managing 80 different vendors at a time. And, you know, usually you, if you need a new part, you go and buy it from an OEM. If you need um, a part for an older vehicle, you have to go to the aftermarket. But how is Molly different? So when I started in heavy duty parts all those years ago, 25 years ago, there was clearer lines between the OEM tier one suppliers uh, buying from the dealerships and buying aftermarket. You know, you just, there was very kind of clear lines between the two, but things have really changed over the last 25 years. And so you do see more tier one manufacturers who have strong aftermarket programs because they're trying to capture the business of that second and third owner. But you've also seen aftermarket manufacturers and suppliers really up their game on products. So the whole landscape has shifted. Even today, there's not that many tier ones that do a really great job on both sides of the equation, right? They have a strong tier one manufacturing sector that takes care of the OEMs and they have a really great support for the aftermarket. I think everybody who is in that game and tries to do both, there's there's significant challenges. One, for example, is you have to silo those two groups of people working on either side of your business because in order to work with tier ones, you can't have your aftermarket people releasing data that only the tier ones are supposed to have, only the OEMs are supposed to have. So even just from a data perspective, it's a challenge to run both of these uh, businesses at the same time. Molly seems to have done a really good job of this. Uh, Not only do they manufacture engine components, original equipment, tier one, but they've moved into this heavy-duty aftermarket space as well, and they are supporting the rebuilders uh, at a level with things like training and support and information to be able to help them not only do the consolidated engine platforms in you know equipment that's operating, you know the newer equipment, but also to be able to supply the wider range of of older engines that might still be operating out there, fourth owners or if maybe it's in a construction or agricultural um, vocation, then sometimes that equipment is still running 20, 25, 30 years later. So Molly seems to have done a really good job of, of balancing both sides of this business. It was really great to spend time with Molly at their booth at Apex. I really enjoyed getting to know them and we're really looking forward to working with them on an ongoing basis and understanding more about what they do for the heavy duty aftermarket. You know, in the years that I was selling on the aftermarket side, and I stopped selling parts back in, in uh, let's say it was 2019. So, um, you know, it's been a few years since I sold parts, but, you know, 2016, 17, 18, 19, I never really heard Molly's name being mentioned. You know, I heard other uh, companies that have been on this show uh, that are really well known in the aftermarket space, but Molly really wasn't one of them. So it is good to see the the moves that they're making to provide additional support to the independent service channel, because as we know, I have a very strong feelings about that, right? The, the independent service channel, the trucking industry is the backbone of society. Really, the, the independent side, if we didn't have that, uh, we just wouldn't have a trucking industry that is as strong and robust as it is today. Absolutely. And uh, thank you, Jamie. I think I understand a lot more about the difference between OEM and aftermarket. Thanks. Okay, well, this brings our episode to a conclusion. Uh, We've really enjoyed uh, sharing these uh, interviews from Apex. We're going to be going to a lot of trade shows coming up in 2024. We're going to continue to share 
these great conversations with you. If you haven't had a chance, why don't you head over to heavydutypartsreport.com and subscribe to the show. Hit that follow button, sign up to our weekly email. You get one email a week from us and you just make sure that you don't miss any of the great content that we put out. And you can get the show wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. You can watch it as well. So make sure you hit that follow or subscribe button. Thank you very much for listening. And as always, be heavy duty. HDA Truck Pride is the heart of the independent parts and service channel. They have 750 parts stores and 450 service centers conveniently located across the U.S. and Canada. Visit heavydutypartsreport.com slash Pride today to find a location near you. Again, that's heavydutypartsreport.com slash Pride and let the heart of the independent service channel take care of your commercial equipment.